0: D20 Radio, where gamers rule. www.d20radio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Eberron Renewed, an actual play tabletop RPG podcast game where we play, but not today. Today, we talk about the playing. I'm Jeff. I'm Philip. And this is going to be a reviewed episode. It's just Philip and I today. Pretty exciting. We're going to talk about the last arc a bit and then just talk to Philip about dungeons and about dragons. So,
1: two of my favorite things cool stuff. Well, really, just the dragons and dungeons. I can take or leave.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've picked up on as, that. <laughs> as as we've discussed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this arc, and we can obviously fill up if there's anything that you want to add about things that have happened since the last time you were on and reviewed, of course. Sure. Well actually, let's just start there. Do you have any anything of note you want to bring up that we may have missed from the fight in Dolur? It was, you know, Randy and I and Trevor and I, yeah. so you can expect not as a whole lot of content talk.
1: Um <clears throat> I well, I I will say I was Deeply shocked when, when all of a sudden, Mister No No Peanut Butter in My Chocolate let me have a cannon on uh, <laughs> the deck of the ship.
0: That's right. No uh, guns in my Eberron. We
1: we weren't in Eberron. except except now we were uh, in Dalar. So I was a little. I was a little thrown off by that. I was I was getting ready to like, okay, what what are we turning into a weapon here? But then now there's cannons. Okay, so noted. Cannons are fine, even if even if guns are not. That fight just went really really wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I have the impression that Eric thought that was going to be just sort of a goofy swashbuckling good time, but nothing went right on in that. Um, That was an absolute mess.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, the fact that we made it out is honestly a a testament to Eric's largesse at the end of letting us heal each other and stuff.
1: (laughs) Right. So. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when the GM has to, has to invent a way for us to go to a magic hospital (laughs) where where time won't count you know something's gone very off the rails
0: (laughs) yeah and of course it was i mean it was you just never know i i don't yeah i don't envy eric trying to plan encounters for us oh no with the number Uh, and level of talents that we have now and the creativity of you and randy i wouldn't do it (laughs) well and just the and then
1: just the dice right i mean the dice are so so unpredictable and so it's yeah, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I haven't run enough Genesis to know how to balance an encounter, but I kind of begin to think there's just no such thing. It's, it's you just you're just playing
0: it by ear all the time. Yeah, I really think you have to. I mean, I mean, ev- anyone who's DM'd a significant number of times has done the okay. That knocks half of their hit points down because I need them gone, or mm-hmm. or yeah. suddenly five more guys show up because you guys are making this too easy. And I think that's just how you have to do Genesis. There is no, yeah, it's all jazz, which is not for me. Thank you, Eric. Not for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Eric's great at it. Can we stop being nice to him now? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Jerk. But yeah, that, I mean, that, that that fight was was wild. And it felt like Milo was in his own fight. You were mm-hmm. kind of in your own fight. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was insane. Um, yeah, I, I think...
1: I think the fact that Milo got pulled entirely out of the fight made a huge difference in what we can do because Milo is really quite powerful. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and I I have never thought Eris was going to die except in this fight uh, because we really were at a point where every time she got crit, we would be adding 40 mm-hmm. to the number that we were rolling. So I I was getting very nervous that that Eris was just going to be straight up killed in this fight.
0: Yeah. And that fight leads to <laughs> this arc. <laughs> yeah. The two triumphs. This is the second, second session in a row, second of three sessions mm-hmm. that we've rolled a double triumph. And I don't know if Eric had that in his pocket. I'm sure he can answer that in the discord, but it was pretty clutch having that idea of Let's yeah, take you to, I mean, I, I understand like I, the idea of like healing in a pocket dimension is a thing. That exists, but just be like, hey, I'm just going to take you to this plane. You just met this Claudio guy. He's going to help you out. We're going to go and get you good. Was a clutch thought on his part because we were all just yeah. like, I don't know. Can we just heal Eris? Just do something for Eris, please. Because <laughs> you now have, after the healing, you still have two crits, right? I still have
1: two unhealed critical injuries on Eris. Yeah. Uh, one of them's very old. She's been walking around with one from a couple of battles back that just. It was just a minor one. So it hasn't been a priority because it doesn't have a lasting effect. Right. It just got her like she got hit again after it. But that was all. But but then the other one, her arm is still all jacked up. So, yeah, it's a yeah, she's still walking around with two.
0: I don't I appreciate Eris's stoicism and individuality. But like Hob is very tough. And as soon as he gets a critical injury, he's like, we need to go to the doctor. We need to go to the doctor now. (laughs) Eris is tougher than Hob. That's for sure. Eris is or less
1: willing. <laughs> le, yeah, I was gonna say it's more stubborn than Hobb is <laughs> is less willing to to let somebody to trust somebody else to mess with her.
0: Right. So we go we go to the plane of Irian, which mm-hmm. I do not know. There may be is is the plane of Irian a thing, or did Eric make that up? Do you it's a thing. No? It's the okay. plane
1: of it's the opposite of Mabar, which we dealt with so much last campaign, it's mm-hmm. it's the plane of positive energy and life giving energy. I mean, it's the plane. It would be the plane where you would get healed.
0: Yeah, why would anybody leave? And I don't know. I don't know which came first, the woman or the plane. I also don't know. I don't
1: know whether that was a deep pull from somewhere that I just I just don't know because I haven't read all of the books that Eric's read, or if he created that. And I don't know whether we're supposed to draw that like the hobbit woman or half the halfling woman created the plane mm-hmm. or she's a manifestation of the plane or an avatar.
0: Like I, yeah, I don't know right. what we were supposed to draw from that exactly, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that the reason she had, well, I mean, she had a dragon mark Yeah, and when asked about it, she made it sound like she had come from Sharn. Yeah. So maybe she just had been there the longest. So she became the avatar of the plane, you know, who knows? Yeah. I don't know but her name was Irian, and she had been there for 100 million years. And I did, <laughs> something I, like that. I did do the math. Thanks to who was it in the discord? One second. I'll get there. Maybe Gus on the discord made the math way more accessible. I'm not, I I do not possess a math brain. And so yeah. I was doing a much more difficult calculation than convert 30 minutes to seconds and then just multiply. <laughs> but if I did the math right, I believe 100 million years in Erion is 55,555.55 55 years on Eberron. So I was way off when I said something in the hundreds. Yeah,
1: that, 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 that's all sorts of like, because it's like, how long has Sharn been Sharn? Can't be 50,000. Like it's it, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of weird questions that we're probably never going to get answered are raised by by this this halfling woman.
0: Yeah, and there's got to be some convenient numerology when you do that math, and it's 55, 55, 55. It was a repeating five decimal. It was kind of impressive. Nice. I can't imagine Eric did that on purpose, but if he did, right. way to go, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Not to cast his on Eric. he just like, I don't think he cares to that level. Yeah. But we are, we are healed. There are just nice things happen to us. We're fed our favorite food from childhood. We're healed up. Eris gets two criticals. Mm-hmm. Healed. Against her will, almost. Not against her will, because she does agree, but... Okay, Philip, what, besides distrust of strangers, which is a given for Eris, is there a deeper reticence to this, besides just a general distrust? Because it seemed...
1: Eris is, as we've gotten more into the the depths of things going on with uh, Millhatch Industries and um, just various other things that have happened through our campaign and, and and you know her accidentally pulling an angel out of out of Irian and and how did she even do that? Like Eris is very very concerned about meddling with planar things. I mean she has essentially a pet air elemental, but she captured that in a storm in Sharn. Like it was it was here. Mm-hmm. She didn't she didn't pull it out of a, out of out of Serania or, what, or whatever the airplane is. She's very nervous uh, about that box. We just got pulled into Duller, and she woke up somewhere unfamiliar. And so all of that, uh, combined with a general distrust of strangers, and honestly, the the food, the idea that somebody raked Eris's memories to pull up food that she should find comforting, uh, is like if we were in DN if we were in a, playing D anD D still instead of Genesis. Somebody in the crew would have telepathy. It's just like ubiquitous in a lot of fifth edition now. And Eris would punch someone for going into her mind without without saying, hey, I'm going to talk in your brain now first. Like, I find it deeply disturbing to think about somebody just talking in my brain without asking me first.
0: I agree with that. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so Eris finds it violating is too strong a word. But presumptuous uh, for this person to just reach into Eris's memories and create food based on that.
0: See, Uh, that's funny because you and I read that differently. I I read that as an inherent magic of this place is like a desire fulfillment thing.
1: And that makes way more sense. And that's probably what was intended.
0: But Eris didn't see it that way. And that makes it. Which the, to be fair, I mean it could still very much be a well yeah, but you had to figure out my desires are somehow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even if no one here actively so, did it, it's locked away in the data now.
1: Something, yeah, something is 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 reading my mind right now, and I don't <laughs> and I don't like it.
0: The info is in your cloud. I right, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. I did not for a second think of it though how'd you know what my favorite food was? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Eris Eris has a, a deep distrust of of people. Of people she hasn't let in, somehow acting as though they are in. It's why mm-hmm. she couldn't stand Cassian. Sure, Cassian, and frankly, I would think that Cassian would have would ought to have some better training to <laughs> uh, to have learned. Okay, just because I know you in a different timeline doesn't mean we're pals. Like that that attitude of well, I know you, you know that that really creeped Eris out. And so whether Eris actually believes anything Cassian said or not, she decided she didn't believe anything Cassian said and that he was a creep because he presumed to be in
0: and Eris hadn't let him in. See, these are the conversations that you and I should be having more often because I always thought Cassian, Eric was playing Cassian as like Top Gun. Like when I get in there, they see my cool tech and they hear my cool story. I'm going to be able to become their leader for a short time. That's Mm -hmm. just how it's going to be. I'm mm-hmm. in, I'm cool. How could they say no to this? I'm in a leather jacket. You know, my <laughs> sunglasses are large. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just so funny. Yeah, I, I wondered if, at, while we were doing this, if Eris was going to be angry with Hob for agreeing to, without checking with her. I've tried to put, a, put it out there a little bit that, like, sometimes Hob's pragmatism can be a problem. Like, mm-hmm. we're really hurt. And this guy that just fought alongside us offered to heal us. We're just going, everyone shut up. We're going, you know? So I didn't yeah. know if that was going to, but it didn't really come around quite that bad.
1: It, well, th- so I, I was thinking about that and how mad it would Eris really be. And I think part of it is she has a much stronger inherent trust of hob. Like hob is, is one of the people that Eris assumes well of, which is a very short list. And secondly, Eris was like just barely conscious for a lot of for a lot of this until <laughs> until some healing got got into it. Eris was just, you know, any any anger that she might have been able to manage would have been hazardous
0: to her health. Sure. Yeah, also fair. Yeah, maybe Hobbs going to get it later. We'll I guess we'll see. <laughs> okay, great. But we so we eat the food. Eris actually d- notably does not eat her special food. Correct. Uh, because why give them the satisfaction, Eris? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, man, as my as my preteen becomes more of a preteen and edging even closer to teenager, I'm seeing a lot of Eris in my kid. That's not entirely fair, and he probably overheard that. So, <laughs> or will one day hear it. He's never going to listen to this. So we're healed. We eat. Ulfen is like healed, healed. Um, yeah. Which is, which is great. And we go check on him. So this is some Milo stuff. And we will touch base with Randy about it. Mm-hmm. But just for the sake of the recap, while Randy is talking to Irian, or Milo is talking to Irian, they come across this idea of, hey, we could probably stop this magic. It may not even have been probably. It was like, I can do it for you. Here is the consequence. No yeah. magic will ever work on you again. And that is an untenable consequence yeah, in this bad. game. Like, yeah. you just can't. Because while I am sure that if you wanted to have a very gritty campaign, there is very much a non-magical healing thing you can do with, like, doctors sure. and stuff. But that's just not Eberron. Right. You know, we use magic to do things. So the idea that no magic would ever manifest its way to working for... It just feels untenable. It feels like you can't play yeah, that game.
1: I, no, that, that like... I thought I was thinking that's a great idea. Right up until wait, no, now I understand. No, that can't work,
0: right? Which of course, clever on Eric's part to open the door of. Wouldn't it be nice to close this magic off? Well, the only safe way to do it is to tell your your other wife. I don't even know how to.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know the how to still this
0: living other universe version of your dead wife to stop talking to you, <laughs> Eric. You're a mean man. What am I forgetting from the episodes? Uh, we do, I mean, we leave, right? at the light. It ends with us. Yes, because think, of yeah, it Randy. Ends, it
1: ends with us coming back. We land the ship uh, and Eris goes home. But yeah, Randy, yeah, Randy Milo. wanders off with murder in his heart.
0: We've got to stop saying Randy when we mean Milo. We're very good about Eris and Hobb. way worse about That's Reynard true. and Milo. And there is a lot of daylight between Randy and Milo. Not as much between <laughs> Reynard and Trevor. If you take take all of Reynard, remove some of the callousness and add a little bit of caring more about his friends. And you yeah, pretty much got say, trevor
1: you you give you give Reynard some empathy and you've got and you've got Trevor.
0: current Reynard, who does actually care about these three other characters yep. a bit, dial it up a little more. But yeah, to I mean, this was out of no nowhere.
1: Yeah, I was totally caught off
0: guard by that. I was, like, to the point that, like, I was holding back, like, cackling laughter. Mm -hmm. Because, like, what are you... No one can surprise me like Randy when Uh, we're playing this game. uh, 100%. Like, Philip, you do stuff that's not telegraphed, but it's always, like, that's within the nature of the character in-game. Sometimes Randy's just like, and then I think, you know what? I think he just steps on a puppy. But, (laughs) But why? Oh, you'll see. It will make sense. And I trust him. Randy would never step on a puppy. But... Or Milo, <laughs> whoever. But yeah, so so Randy's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have Milo go out and try to find and in cold blood murder Vigo while he's incarcerated.
1: I like, I uh, it was a great it was a great moment for uh-huh. Eric to to play that card. Uh-huh. But I'm also sad because I want to know because there's no way Randy set out without some kind of plan, right? I, I, I want to know how Randy intended to accomplish it.
0: Unless what Randy wanted to do was get to the jail and just be turned away and like have that, mm, like yeah. uh, you need to leave and just have that more, more Milo impotence. Uh, right. You know, to, I don't know if he wants to go further down. It. Ours is not to wonder why. That is the, the, the a, a fun thing is I get to experience that along with the listener because Randy does not divulge either. Yeah. He'll just do it and we won't know. That's the arc. It was all just the three episodes of healing. Unbelievably busy time of year for everybody. We are no exception. So we got together and knocked out as much as we could in a session. We have already sat down and played the beginnings of our next session. Mm -hmm. And it is... Well, let's just say the action continues from where we left Boy. off, you know, like mm-hmm. a narrative might. All right, Philip, a couple of questions. I asked Randy these, and I believe I asked Trevor at least a couple of them. But we've never really, like in passing a little bit, but we've never really talked about them. I'm sure on the knowledge check, you guys, I mean, I haven't listened to the knowledge check for a couple of years. <laughs> there hasn't been the knowledge check for a couple of years, so. <laughs> That's what it is. But when? how long have you been doing this? When did you start D&D? When did you start Genesis? d and D, I I started in
1: fourth edition. Um 2008 I think because I think Eric convinced me to I was extremely reluctant it was like this is a this is just a facet of of being a nerd uh, that I had never gone into like video games all sorts of books comic books movies you know been a big nerd for a long time but this was just a facet of it that I'd never never done not for any particular reason and I was pretty skeptical about it, me and Eric and some of our friends, we played a lot of RPGs online and things like that. So I was kind of like, "Why? Why?" <laughs> was kind of my my question. But I, I drove along with him and another friend to to a game store, and we went and got and they, they bought the books. Um, I invested no money at all and read the book on the way back and was a little more a little more convinced by the time we got home that this could be fun. Uh, and so we we played a little bit that summer, and then. Not for a little while. I don't remember if it was maybe a year or a year or two later, that we got our we got a big campaign going for the first time. So I've I have been playing for about fifteen years and DMing for almost the same amount of time. Yeah. So that and then Genesis, I became aware of Genesis through the Star Wars RPG, because Eric Bought that and was just wildly excited about it. And so he started running a Star Wars game for, for just a little while that I played in. And then obviously played more of it once I started going to Gamer Nation Con. Lots more Genesis and and got got more experience of it. Um, I've actually, I think, never run any
0: Genesis. I think I've only ever played Genesis. I've certainly never run Genesis. So I got other. <laughs> That's very cool. So then almost 6 years ago actually at this point maybe 6 over 6 years ago yeah eric asked you if you would be interested in being on you know what i need to stop which came first knowledge check or everon i uh, tgp was first yep and i was on the little dnd thing we done that before we did this yep. one but i can I, check
1: this i'm not actually 100% certain i kind of wanna say the knowledge check but that but i'm not sure Okay. No, I think I think we started the the I think we started Eberron Renewed first because a lot of times Eric and I would schedule recording the knowledge check in person because I was up here to record Eberron Renewed. So I think oh, Eberron Renewed started first. Actually, Eric asked me to run Eberron Renewed. Is what <laughs> happened. <laughs> that sounds about right. And I said no. I run a lot of D anD. d And it was we started this the same year that our daughter moved in with us. And so, uh, yeah, I, I just said no. And then he he said, okay, well, what about playing? And I was like, and that I was, I was obviously down for playing. I, it didn't take a lot of convincing to get me to play. I'll, I'll happily play d d most of the time, someone asks me. Um, so that didn't require a lot of convincing. I went round and round on what I would play as I do. And as I've, as I've talked about before, um, and there were a lot of a lot of conceptual iterations of Barrick before uh, before the person that we actually got uh, and boy he'd have he'd have had a he'd have had a better life if i'd made some some of those <laughs> earlier choices
0: so uh, just to, I, I checked the first episode of the knowledge check came out 1 month before the first episode oh, okay. of Everon renewed but there was a big space between when we recorded and dropped that that's first true. episode so there is a chance yeah. that we you could have recorded them all on that weekend
1: that's possible uh, yeah so yeah that's Yeah, I refused to
0: run it and then agreed to play. Mm -hmm. Who else is going to be in it? Do you remember your brother's roommate from 15 years ago? (laughs) He's going to be in it. (laughs) Kind of? I think his name was Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a guy you've never met named Trevor. He's fine. So tell me a little bit about the, the conception and building of Eris.
1: So it's not where he's landed anymore. At one point, Eric had a notion for campaign three, which he's definitely not using. So I don't feel bad talking about it where the thing that was going to connect all the characters was going to be the war is that everybody was going to play a, a, like a veteran unit. And when he said that I got, I got really mad at myself because I was like, Oh my gosh, Eris would have been ideal for that. She'd be like the, you know, the, the kid who's like the mascot, the mascot of the unit that just Mm -hmm. sort of like hangs around. But no, my my original concept for campaign two was a was to play a hobgoblin, and I had kind of this idea of a hobgoblin who dresses like he's on Peaky Blinders. Okay, so you know, flat cap, smoking a cigar, a real snaz gunk thumb. <laughs> yes, uh, smoking a cigar, walking around in in a tweed vest. I think I built a mini for him at some point, and and fighting, fighting kind of uh, kind of a street brawler type I had I've always had a, there's been a character concept I've never quite gotten to work out because it's very hard to make in most mechanics of kind of the Jason Bourne thing someone who fights with whatever's at hand okay um, and so that was kind of my idea is to build this guy as a as a brawler and then you started talking about Hob and I started thinking this is way too similar like I'm yeah. we're, we're going to have two we're going to have two big silent brawler guys and if there was a bigger party there's something very fun in that, like sure. s- street street brawler and martial artist, I like you know, in the same way that, well, I guess Luke Cage and Iron Fist, um, right. in in Marvel comics, um, just talking
0: technique, like
1: it's, it's the suit, yeah, like and- <laughs> yeah. Um, so that like there's something very fun fun about that in it. If we aren't half the party and so you start talking about hob i was like okay i i don't want to do this i still wanted to do something with the goblin concept because i i've always found that i've always found keith baker's take on goblins as not just creepy little evil things very very interesting and so i still wanted to do something like that so i was trying to think how do you connect someone to uh, goblin culture without them having to be a goblin because i didn't want to play a goblin randy had played a goblin in the last campaign and i didn't want and my in- interpretation of a goblin would have been so wildly different from Randy's. Sure. And I didn't really want to, and <laughs> necessarily. I didn't want to invite. Yeah. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to spend all of the, all of the Eberron reviews talking comparisons between my goblin and Booyah. Sure. And so I, I didn't want to do that. And I had never played an artificer and I really like artificers. So that's kind of how I landed on artificer and the idea of a goblin and then, kind of maybe the day that we recorded, or the weekend that we recorded the finale of or or I guess the big reviewed, the weekend we recorded the big reviewed after campaign one, I I had kind of worked out the notion of of playing someone who was a Chiron refugee uh, and who knew about goblins and new goblin culture because her home had been overrun when the goblins rebelled and seized control of of that part of Kyre. And and that that I thought was really interesting because it would be fun to play around with goblin slang and and yet not be a goblin. And mm-hmm. I liked the notion of someone with a conflicted idea of of the goblins. A a liking for aspects of their culture and art, mm-hmm. but also a grudge as it were against them, essentially. So that's yeah that's kind of how it evolved the last thing to evolve and boy did it take a long way into the campaign was the voice i had a lot of difficulty landing landing the voice and it kept trailing around in different directions. Uh, and I tried to come up with a bunch of different ideas for the voice. I worked I worked the voice a lot harder than than with Barrett because I just fell back on an accent I knew I could do and it took a long time into the campaign before I was felt like the voice was finally getting somewhere where it was easy to listen to and easy to maintain throughout a session.
0: I've found that if you just barely change the way you talk, <laughs> you still do the voice wrong about half the time. I get hob <laughs> wrong more often than right. But that's great. That's very cool. Yeah, I didn't think about it until you were talking we really didn't talk about campaign two characters until there was a very clear end point in, in sight for campaign. One. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we've been talking about campaign three characters since God, how long ago were we at fuzzies and talking about it like a year and a half ago? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, not unlike campaign one, it's quite a long time ago that Eric said that he could kind of see the end in sight on campaign two but then he keeps being creative when we roll triumphs. And so if, if he ever feels like the campaign is is dragging, which I don't, but if he ever feels like the campaign is dragging, he's got no one to blame but himself.
0: Yeah, Uh, no, it, it, it had to have been in the late nineties, early one hundreds that he was like, guys, I really think this one's like, I didn't expect it to go this long. It's really winding down. And here we are at episode one eighty two. Yeah. Or three. Uh, Pretty great. Okay. We have some questions and Philip, if there's anything that, you would like to address that is within the realm of D and D. All right. Stay off your soapbox about, I don't know (laughs) dogs in sports. Well,
1: the rules don't say you can't.
0: (laughs) It explicitly doesn't, I mean, very clearly doesn't say you can't. I think if a dog is good enough to beat children, he should be allowed to beat children and the children (laughs) should have to deal with it. Okay. Sorry. So we're going to go to some questions. If you would like to ask a question of, well, Philip eventually, I believe next week is or next reviewed is Eric. So ahead and get that one in your uh, in your in your heads. Uh, if you would like to ask a question, you can do so on our discord. Our discord is accessible for free. All you got to do is go to any one of our other social media pages and find the link for it. You can find those on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know. Google Plus. What else? Do we, we, OK, we actually have <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Instagram and TikTok. And you can find us at the Geek Pantheon. And you will find a link. Our merch store is thegeekpantheon.com. You will also find a link there as well as all of our merch. So, and that is where we have our questions for our reviews get asked there. So Laura would like to know, Philip, how much detail did Eric give you before you started role-playing as Ace's patron?
1: I I would love to be able to go back and just reference a message he sent me, but he said he told me in person because I got there before everyone else. And so he told me in person, but the answer is almost nothing. I didn't actually even know that I was going to be encountering Ace. I knew he wanted me to play a devil, and I think he may have given me a type of, of devil of devil from the monster manual. It was the one that, you know, it was like a horned devil. It was like the standard looking one. But as far as the personality or what exactly I was supposed to get him to agree to, very, very little. He He kind of just threw me the ball. And trusted me to improvise most of the info about that NPC. I, I knew the basics of what of the of what plot point Eric was trying to achieve, and that's really it.
0: All right, I I really enjoyed that character. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really. And I know I, because you've not seen this show, I feel comfortable saying that because you wouldn't have even unintentionally the like the kind of loose the way you were physically doing it helped with this mm-hmm. visualization. But there's a character, and I think I might have mentioned this already in a cartoon called OKKO. there's a bad guy that's he's a he's a a man with a snake for a head in a business suit and (laughs) his name is very funny it's like puddles or blossom or something very cute but it was it was just that guy anyway (laughs) so Laura continues they want to know what was your guess for what happened in the episodes that you missed since who told you not to listen it may have been me honestly I don't recall Eric told me okay
1: not to list. Eric told me that you said I wasn't supposed to. Listen. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I think is what it, is what it was. Uh, for those for uh, those who aren't,
0: these are the episodes where Reynard's goes on his special mission with Randy and I's other other that who wasn't there for. Yeah,
1: where he kills uh, his dad. Well, see, I had I had no notion of what the premise of the episode was going to be. Like I knew it was going to be, you know, Reynard gets up to something in the morning but it honestly never occurred to me that they would that it would have anything to do with his dad. I assumed this was going to be some sort of like sitcom episode starring starring Reynard and a couple of of tangential characters. I think I knew that you were going to be playing someone connected to Verla.
0: No, uh, Randy oh, plays uh, over. Randy,
1: him. Randy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew someone was playing I knew that one of Verla's some contact of Verla was was involved. So I thought that what was going on was entirely different. And you had sent me a picture of the double triumph that I guess produced this, this possibility. Right. And so I kind of thought Reynard had done something that was going to cause an enormous amount of trouble for the group and that Eris was going to be really mad about. <laughs> and so the goal was get that, get that to be organic instead of planned. The idea that what had happened was Reynard had seized an opportunity and been entirely successful. uh, That did not occur to me.
0: It yeah no I mean obviously that's not what was supposed to happen. Right no yeah yeah Yeah, we were all expecting heists and hijinks so but I mean in in the room I wish you had been there for that because all of that happening that way. I wish I could say it was a few minutes that Eric and Philip or Eric and Trevor were talking about, is this something to do? So boy, that was fun. All right. We have some questions from Kevin. Kevin wants to know, Philip, how has it been playing a war orphan, former slave with severe emotional trauma and PTSD? Is there anything you would have chosen differently in hindsight? How much control did you give? Yeah. (laughs) How much control did you give Eric with Eris' backstory?
1: This sounds like an indictment, of Eric, because I took such a different approach previously, I gave Eric almost no control over Eris's backstory. I went the, the exact opposite direction of Barrick, where I gave Eric. In fairness, I didn't give Eric a lot of control over Barrick's backstory. I gave Eric a lot of control over the pact. I, I tend, I, I am inclined to overthink backstories. I usually fight that by creating some loose ends and giving those to Eric. In this case, the loose end, and it hasn't come up, and frankly, I'd be astonished if it came up now because there's just so much going on. The loose end I gave was that Eris does not actually know whether her little brother died or or not. Like She has no confirmation of what became of her brother. Um,
0: I forgot she had a brother. Okay. Yeah, sorry.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. And, and there's so much going on, so it, it you know I it doesn't come up a lot. Uh, so I didn't give Eric a lot of control over backstory. Would have done anything different in in hindsight. Uh, I might I might have sat down with well. So we didn't really have much of a concept of how Eris came to be in Sharn until we were doing session zero, um, and when we introduced Ulfin. Uh, I sort of jumped on Ulfen as the idea that Ulfen as a pirate had taken the ship that Eris had been on. And we, we of course, played that in flashback. I probably, part of it was I was very uncertain of it, and I was uncertain how much Eric would want to mess with it. But if I could have done something different, I might have sat down with Eric and just given him or talked to him about what what the relationship between Eris and the Dashur would be like. Because we just didn't have any planning on that, and I didn't have a clear idea And it would have been nice for me, I think, because it would have been when when Eric finally started pulling the card, started playing that card. It would have been good for me to have sort of pre-thought how is Eris going to deal with this? Um, Because I feel like especially the beginning part of that arc, I am kind of inactive because I was trying to figure out how does Eris as she is now feel about this? Mm -hmm. And how do I... How do I play that? Uh, other than Eris kind of shutting down, because that's bad for our format. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, that would have been that would have made it easier for me to to role play that revelation. But otherwise, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the backstory I came up with. It's been an interesting character. How has it been? I've, I mean, I I enjoy playing Eris a lot. I think she's a blast. There's there's an aspect of Of pressure to be um, to be careful and respectful um, of uh, trauma that I don't have as a person in in the same in the same way, perhaps on a slightly larger scale, but in the same the same kind of way that when we don't do campaign one spoilers, (laughs) something happens, something happens with Barrick that created a situation for Barrick that we were very, very careful about. And you probably know what it is if you listen to campaign one, but kind of in the same same vein as that. Barrick uh, develops
0: what would be in a non-magical world of disability.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and and I, I we were very lucky to have some listeners reach out to offer some resources. And I was able to have some conversations with some people who actually have the real world, the, the real non-magical equivalent. Right. They uh, were able to give me some, some good feedback on, on role-playing it, which was great. With Eris, I have through both my educational background and through the process of becoming an adoptive parent, a whole lot of training in trauma-informed care and trauma-informed education. And so I have done a lot of reading and research and other things about young people and trauma and about childhood trauma, particularly, and, and some of the ways it can manifest. And so I really, I have enjoyed the challenge and I think have done well at least in a way that I'm relatively satisfied with of making, making war orphan not be automatic Batman. Sure. Uh, Like I didn't want to do the comic book edgelord stereotype with Eris. And so having some, having some educational background of it and having some education in, in what it's like and different ways it manifests made it really easy to, to know how I wanted it to manifest in Eris. And, you know, at the beginning part of the campaign, a lot of that was her predominant trait is, is every, every emotion, every, every large emotion turns to anger was kind of the, the point, because that that's a, a very common one with with childhood trauma. And then also just a sort of intellectual immaturity. Eris is brilliant, but intellectually immature. She's She's got some. She's got some very real arrested development things like that, and so mm-hmm. having the opportunity to, to sort of represent that in in a way that I think is better than just making her all edgy and and emo has been a fun challenge, and I have I have enjoyed it, and I really like getting to grow Eris over the course of the campaign in the ways
0: that that we've gotten to. And you can tell, like, I some of the nuance that like sometimes it feels like Eris is like I don't like pushing everybody away, but yeah, my my safety is way too important to me to not stay back. It, Absolutely. There's a, there's a good nuance to it. It helps that you've played her like from the beginning you said she's not gonna be this way to everyone. She's gonna let people yeah. in. <laughs> so yeah. like a real human. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Kevin continues. You know what? I'm just gonna go. The remainder of the questions are from Kevin for the listeners. <laughs> so we're just gonna go through. How dependent on Olive is Eris feeling at this point? Kevin gets the impression that she is her tether to some semblance of normalcy.
1: I think Olive is Eris's most healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olive doesn't. Olive is gentle with Eris, but doesn't treat her with kid gloves anymore. Olive will tell Eris uh, in the same way that Hob can sometimes. Will tell Eris when she's behaving unreasonably or when she's making too much of something or when she's spinning out and Eris can hear it. And so I don't know if dependent is the right word anymore. Definitely was at a certain point. I don't know if dependent is the right word anymore, but Olive is definitely Eris's most normal relationship. And I would say that one of the biggest growth aspects of Eris is that when we met Eris, the people that Eris sort of let in primarily just Hob, but the people that Eris had sort of let in were kind of people that Eris could hide behind. Okay. And, and, which is why her, her instinct when anything went wrong was let's, let's run. Right. At, at this point, because Eris has started to accept the idea of, of home and, and community to a certain extent, found family that all, all those things, her relationship with Olive is kind of inverted in a little bit more protective olive is this normal relationship and it isn't really that eris is afraid that olive can't protect herself although eris would be devastated if olive was truly hurt uh, as as we saw with the dashur encounter it's more that having olive as a normal ish relationship as normal as two mad scientists living together can be Having Olive as a normal relationship is so so huge to Eris that that's what she's protective of. She doesn't want Olive to go become a swashbuckling adventurer criminal because that that will mean that she has conversations with Olive that are like the conversations she has with Reynard and Milo and Hobb sometime. That aren't
0: conversations that people who live healthy lives have, <laughs> right? Right. People in normal relations with each other don't talk the way we do.
1: Yeah. So that relationship is enormously important to her, and yeah, to to her her concept of normalcy. And honestly, Eris's goal at this point has switched to get to a place where I can quit, and this can be normal. Like okay. Eris's goal. Eris's goal is to get out of. Of her current day job, because what she wants is that life with Olive, and not that she wants to, like, ditch all of her other relationships, but um, she would. But it would be really, you know, she'd really like to just, you know, meet Hob for dinner and go watch Hob in the ring and not also go commit any crimes.
0: I like that for her. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kevin continues. Does D and D Tasha slash Zibilna Yggdwilv? Sure. <laughs> Kevin's getting extra credit for the multiple. This would be she of the infinite cauldron and yes. the hideous laughter. The witch. Does she exist as part of Eberron lore by any name? And is she a personal hero of Eris?
1: So in a few different blog posts, Keith Baker has presented some different, like when that around, when that book came out, Keith Baker on his blog, kind of talked through some ideas for if you wanted Tasha to exist in D&D. As originally written, no, Tasha is a Forgotten Realms character. But if you wanted Tasha to exist in D&D, because, you know, the spells exist in D&D, then what are some ways you could... And he introduced a a few different ways for Tasha to possibly exist in D&D. And I initially didn't have any ideas of this, but someone... I want to say I can't remember who. I don't want to guess now. Somebody asked a while back whether Tasha the boat slash air elemental was named after Tasha the witch. And in the middle of the Ebram reviewed, I decided yes was the answer. I, I, I went, I, I did yes and for a for an Eberron reviewed question. And since then, I I now know who Tasha is in Eris's understanding. And yes. Eris admires and reveres Tasha. Tasha is not a is not a frightening witch that might kill you in Eris's say well she she could be but not in a bad way in in Eris's perspective. So yes, and and I'll say more in the great reviewed if 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 I don't get a chance to talk more about it, but I kind of want to like save it up in case somehow I I get a chance to have Eris go off on a fangirling about Tasha moment just because I think it will be funny. Nice. Yes is the answer to your question, and I will go into more of that in some future reviewed or possibly in-character.
0: Very cool. I will say, just because I think it's kind of neat, in my Eberron that I run, I ended up making one of the Archfey in Thaladas is Tasha, just because it made the- Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mother of Invention or Queen of Invention or something is one Mm -hmm. of the Archfey. And then later I was reading about her, I guess that's her canon lore if she becomes Archfay in the Feywild. So I felt pretty good about that. It's like, yeah, that's great. I walked my way backwards into something that didn't suck. All right, Kevin continues. Eris and all conversation about the shoulder injury seemed to imply incorporating the claw marks into a tattoo. Do you have any ideas about effect or design, and will you share them? That I added that last bit. I, I haven't plotted out because
1: Eris's current need is to make her arm work. All the way and unless unless another opportunity arises to have someone magically fix it then Eris will go at it from an artifice perspective. Eric actually made the tattoo way cooler because he was describing it as just sort of pale and at first in my head I just thought that means you can't see it very well because of course I am a pasty white boy and so if I had a scar on my shoulder that was just really really white that would not be very noticeable. But of course, Eris has more dark, darker, olive colored skin. And so then I thought that's really rad looking to have that, that that high contrast, almost white claw marks on her shoulder. And so will Eris almost certainly work some cool tattooing into that? Uh, absolutely, yes. Will it be magical? I don't know yet. And do I know exactly what it looks like yet? No, not yet. There are as much as an, as much as an art project appeals to Eris. She's not actually sure she's capable of tattooing her own shoulder, so she would probably need to find someone that she trusts to draw on her.
0: I'm sure Rayner will do it,
1: right? Just <laughs> right, kick me. Yeah. So I, I have have not. There are there are other other problems Eris needs to solve in the aftermath of that fight regarding her own wounds and and Ulfans
0: before she gets to that. So.
1: Yes, almost certainly that will happen. No, I don't have a
0: design yet. All right. And Kevin's last question. Actually, I should have done this one earlier, so you got the last one. The last question is for me. He asks, Jeff, when the suggesting Milo take over the clan, did Hobb forget the prophecy implied no heir of Satan should take over? I mean, I don't know if Hobb did, but Jeff did, man. That's the answer. <laughs> You're right. That is a very important, serious thing that we're going to have to address in the game that I just forgot about in the moment. Uh, f-
1: Philip definitely forgot, but it wouldn't make any difference because Eris, again, as much, not because Eris doesn't believe in prophecy, but because Eris is bullheaded and, and this was brought up by Cassian and nothing or no, this was brought up by, yeah, it was, I don't remember who it was.
0: No, it was Dorla.
1: Not Durga, Dorla. Yeah. This was brought up by Durla, and Durla made Eris very uncomfortable. And so Eris has scrubbed anything Durla said out
0: of the realm of truth. Yeah, fair. Hobbes' thing with that also has always been it would be nice if we can also stay within the parameters of this prophecy, has kind of always been his idea. Like, it's of least concern to him, but it's still enough of a concern to him that. The Milo thing feels preferable to the Allir- to the Lara thing. And that's where his head's mm-hmm. at right now. So, yeah. you know, but you're right. I mean, yes, in the moment, Kevin, I just beefed it and had forgotten about the prophecy. I wasn't looking through my notes. I, I don't take great notes. And the ones that I take don't get opened up as often as they should and read through. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just cop to the fact that I beefed it. But now that you've reminded me, it will be brought up at some when it's appropriate. Right. You guys have probably noticed a bit of a pattern of that. Sometimes you mentioned something <laughs> I've forgotten and it magically shows up in the next session after you have brought it up in the discord. All right. Well, we're about hitting an hour, which is yep. long as we've gone for a one-on-one review. So thank you, Philip. We will be back next week with an episode we've already recorded. And I like, think it's a pretty good one. Um, I think so. In the meantime, please come get in the discord. We have a lot of, fun. it's a very active, I mean, daily, multiple messages, big, fun, nice group of people. We've got all the rules you want to see about being kind. Uh, so I promise you it is an inclusive and good space to come and join if you would like to. It is. Other than that, we'll catch you next Friday. I have been Jeff. I'm Philip. All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening.